You're listening to Yo! An Underlords Podcast. Brought to you by YetiArcade.com. Yo! 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 Level up your game by getting the latest news, reviews, and strategy to help you in your quest to becoming a Lord of the White Spire. And now your hosts... Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of Yo! An Underlords podcast brought to you by YetiArcade.com. Uh, today is Sunday, August 18th of 2019. And here in Kansas City, I am your host, JR Cook. And I'm joined by our normal every week crew. They, well, it's the second week, so we're, we've now done this two weeks in a row. But uh, coming all the way from Amish country, Indiana... <laughs> Uh, we're joined by our Mr. Big Time Contract Willie himself. Willie, how's it going? <laughs> I, I only refer to the Big Time Contract as a Bitcoin now since you just shorten it to BTC a lot of the times. Oh, okay. So, but I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad to be back here for the second week. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the show would not be complete without going all the way up to Michigan where we are joined by our resident big boss, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I finally hit it this week. I'm uh, glad to be back and talk some more Underlords. Yeah, so uh, to speak of that, you, you you did the thing. You did the thing you said you were going to do. So far, yes. Uh, I, I am at Big Boss now. Um, it was quite the week in games overall. I, I ended up, uh, it took about 22 matches in total um, with eight of those in uh, first place. So it was at a pretty high clip uh, win percentage. I believe I only had six games that were in five where i placed fifth or less so the staying um staying consistent is really important for ranking up it seemed yeah uh there's a lot of big swings you know you, you take a couple of seventh or eighth place losses as i'm finding now in big boss uh it, it sets you back quite a bit so i've been i've been uh taking uh taking my time with it but learning more as i go on and uh i'm, I'm really excited to try and link up rank up to lord next and just before the show we just watched you take first place <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun comp. I ended up in uh, Scrappy with some Hunter, and I found the two star Medusa had some more lock backing, and it ended up just all coming together. In the three star sniper, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, three star sniper. Uh, I ha I also had three star Clockwork and uh, three star something or another Shadow Fiend. So yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Always fun to uh, roll high in the end game. Yeah. Um, but Willie, what have what have you been up to this week in the game? Like you've been doing a lot of Dota related stuff this week. Yeah, it's it's the International 2019. So, and I'm part of the uh, the mod crew for that game. So, if you got banned, it's probably my fault. Um, <laughs> or yeah, or it's so... probably their fault for being a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. Um, so like during my downtime, sometimes I've got to like stop uh, playing the game, and that's not really conductive for rank for rank play obviously so i've been playing a lot of bots and just kind of getting used to this new meta um i still feel so bad about uh inventors now like i just like their old ability better than hp regen but yeah uh on other things i've been casting uh the underlords pro league we had our grand finals with the 175 dollar prize pool 100 to first 50 to second 25 for third we had the finals for that and i saw a lot of interesting builds there uh i lost i saw brawny get contested an awful lot um but uh, and i saw a lot of 
Knights Undead. Uh, people were uh, rolling early in the fall from Grace a few times, and they just kind of rocked that out. Um, but our, our first place was Lambda Delta, second was Furman's, and third was Antonio. Um, and Antonio was the interesting one because he sniped his way into the grand finals out of Group B and then ended up winning the game, which gave him enough tournament points to take third place for the night, which gave him the $25. So, I mean, congrats to all those guys. So nice. that's it on my end. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I am I need to watch that sometime because it's still... Like it's it, it still boggles my mind on how this game works as an esport or as a league or anything like that. Um, yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty interesting, uh, pretty uh, we're making adjustments to the system, but like players were by and large pretty happy with how how everything ran. Uh, they liked the quote ladder system we ran, where players move in and out of uh, higher tiered lobbies as the night goes on. They really liked that. It, they said it made it feel nice and competitive the whole way through. And I like example, Antonio was a perfect case of that, you know, hmm. I'll have to read over to see kind of how that or watch or something, see kind of how that all works because um, I've never played a game like this before, watched a game like this before in a competitive environment. So that's all kind of new to me on how that works. Cause I'm very used to playing games where you're, it's just you against your opponent Whoever wins, wins, right? And then you move on. Um, I've never played a game where it's you against seven others, depending on where you place, could depend on your tournament results overall. Yeah, it's definitely been a unique experience learning how to how to cast this and, and kind of feel what works, what doesn't. Like, we've got some neat little tools at our disposal. We're expanding the tournament to 64 players next season and we've got a nice little screen where where it's basically a scoreboard of everyone in all the group's life totals hmm, nice. and we've got a, a little scoreboard that ups, updates live as tournament results come in That's so so cool. yeah it, it's it's actually pretty slick the guy who does it is is a genius Huh. And I'd like to say I got a chance to pop in for a little bit there. I, I was kind of busy that night, but I, I, I'd just like to commend you and Bahamut for doing um, a really good job with the casting. And, Thank you. And that's that's every Friday, right? That people that's can watch every, that. Uh, the time for season two might adjust, but the plan is seven uh, seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, and then that's over at Twitch.tv slash Underlords Pro, right? Yep. All right, got it. So if people are listening, check that out. Uh, man, for me, you guys know how my week's been going in this game. <laughs> uh, because we have this little Facebook group where we've been talking, and all I do is sit there and complain about how awful I am at this game right now. Um, I don't know what it is. It's some, like the meta has shifted a little bit, and I don't think I ever adjusted to it. So I need to kind of figure that out. Um, uh, because I was at like boss three, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be like Charlie and... Uh, be a big baller and go for big boss. Um, but now I'm back at boss one, um, which if I was playing golf, that would be good. But this isn't golf. This is the higher numbers are better. Um, so I didn't do the thing that I wanted to do. And I need to I need to sit down with Charlie and kind of figure out what I'm doing wrong right now. Or I need to take Willie's advice and start playing some bot games for a bit. And I think maybe that's what I need to do. Um, I think what's happening, I think what's happening is my early game is fine and my mid game could probably use some work. But as I, I, I think what's happening is as I go from the mid game to the end game, that's when I lose it because there are many, many times 
where I will be in the top two for the first 20 or so rounds. And then all of a sudden I'm in, I, I end in eighth. And yeah, so I that's... just drop off hard. Are are you playing for are you playing for ten or are you playing for the the level eight level nine meta that's currently going on? Uh, I hardly ever hit ten. <laughs> I hardly ever hit ten. There are a couple of reasons for that. I die too early, <laughs> or okay. or I just never make it there either. Like even if, even in the games where I do get first, I'm usually at like nine is where I'm at. That's pretty common. It's a ten is a luxury in this meta right now. Uh, you can get there, but it's not something really you're, you're striving for. Most builds uh, really thrive in that seven to nine sweet spot. Uh, and depending on what you use, you can you can add a few things in here and there. But I mean, it, it's more it's more just getting comfortable with each build and piloting each build is is one of the big things that you can do. Uh, that that's the best advice I can give somebody is to just make sure you understand each build. And to Willie's point, that's where playing a lot of bot games can help is right. understanding what items go where, what items you're fishing for, when it's time to roll. That's very important and different for each build. Sometimes you you might start rolling down for your build as early as turn 14 or 15 or 16. You know, you'd be looking for those two stars and three stars and, and tanking your economy a bit, maybe going down to from 50 to 30, just looking for pieces. Other times you just play it cool and, and wait until past 21. You know, it, it, it all varies on the uh, the path that you're in, but learning learning each of those paths is very helpful. Yeah. yeah or you could just play Knights Easy GG. Yeah. Right. Uh, there, <laughs> yeah. There's many times I go into, there's many times I go into Knights and I just get annihilated. Um, and, can... and some of that's because other people have kind of gone into it as well. Um, also, some of it is, I, I, I Knights is like you really also need your supporting cast with it to get it to really yeah. work. And yeah, sometimes I just yeah. don't get that. Right. I feel like Knights, you almost need a fall from grace. Doesn't matter when you get it, it ju you just need it at some point. It's very helpful. Um, yeah. it, it's more important for six and eight, I'll say that. You can go for a night <laughs> and, and do some cool things with Warlock or Scrappy or uh, well, maybe not Scrappy, but Assassin. There's, there's a few options you could do there with Fortnite that are that are pretty nice as well. You don't always have to go six, and, and when you're only going four, the fall for grace isn't as needed, I'd say, because you don't necessarily have to go Abaddon. Also, also, Charlie, you linked something in our chat that had, like, um, it was community voted. I don't know if it was on Reddit or where, um, where it had, like, the best comps voted-wise, like, yeah. uh, strength. And I don't remember what the exact uh, criteria was. Um, but when I was looking at that, they had, like, S tier, A tier, B tier. And I noticed that, like, every build that I kind of was building for wasn't even anywhere close to the A tier, S tier. And I wonder if that's also part of my problem is not understanding what I need to go into. It can really depend on, on certain things. Uh, definitely weaker builds are going to struggle against some of the more top tier builds. Um, that the, the poll you're referencing, by the way, is uh, it was the community poll that was posted on dotahaven.com. Um, and it was the uh, opinions and beliefs of the people who voted. It uh, mainly represents the current popularity of the strategies and uh, the reliability and strength of the scores are pretty debatable. So you can't exactly just say like, oh yeah, this is what, um, what everybody, or this is definitely the strongest, like Knights Dragons being the strongest. I, I wouldn't quite agree with that. I'd say it's the easier to pilot. Okay. Uh, but there, there's mage builds that are a lot harder to use, and you need a little bit of luck of rolling into them, but they can be a lot stronger in burst damage late game. Uh, you know, you can just high roll into random things. Like, I, I believe it's level 5 where you have a 2% chance to roll into a 4-star. If you, if you get a really strong 4-star early online, something that really enables a build like a... Uh, 
uh, the way Tidehunter is. We'll talk about him later now. Or, you know, Kunkka's still great. You have uh, Lone Druid, a few others, uh, Necrophos. Any of those guys can really Disruptor. enable a lot of these strong builds. Disruptor, yeah, there's another great one. So, like, if, if you get that lucky, you kind of you kind of set your own path there, too, as well. Or, well, still maybe leaving your options open because it's early and you might not hit that other four-star for a while. But... You know, there, there's just so much variance in what makes a build strong right now. It's it's really just about being able to be fluid in what you're what you're building and understanding what you end up in and, and where you're going with it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we we definitely need to sit down sometime and just kind of I need to sit down and go over my games and uh, maybe have Charlie help me a little bit and uh, see what I'm doing wrong. Maybe maybe even go watch some streamers and kind of see what they're doing and pick up some tips there as well. Um. Because I've definitely feel like in the last week or two, I've kind of lost the grip on the game just a little bit. I need to, I need to fix that. So. Yeah, that can happen in a beta too. It's, it's such a, such a volatile meta right now. Yeah. Um. But this is what this show's about to talk about that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe, sure. maybe help our listeners out who might be struggling with the same things. So. Um. But beyond that, that's that's about all I've been up to this week. Other other than Hearthstone things, which. You know, that just got a new set. So I have another show dedicated to that. So I've had to play that too oh, quite a bit so I can keep up to it. But um, but beyond that, uh, let's hop over to the news. This week in Dota Underlords. Uh, so in the news this week, we had another patch and it yeah. changed the meta once again. <laughs> yeah, and also, sure. And also, we talked about last week how uh, we, we were wondering about the Lord of the White Spire and how they're going to fix that. We had a tweet about it that they were coming out with it, or they were going to talk about it very soon. And then they came out with the update and then immediately after, or came out with an update as far as like, here's what it's going to be. And then very quickly, like a couple days later, here it is implemented. It's like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, it happened pretty quickly. Uh, And Lords of the White Spire uh, players have, have pretty much rejoiced because they were, they didn't like the feeling of it just being that type of uh, whoever plays the most ranks the highest. Now it's very skill dependent, and uh, you're seeing a lot of the cream rise to the top. Right. Um, so let's talk about this patch just a little bit and what some of the big uh, things of this are. Willie, what what are some of the big things in this patch that you thought was that you thought was most interesting to you? Well, I'm glad that Blade Fury works properly now on Juggernaut. Yeah, Juggernaut's um, a big deal right now. And Puck got just absolutely smashed with the uh, the nerf hammer in this one. Um, phase shift no longer triggers if Puck's, Puck is hex stunned or force attacking a target. Sophie's taunted she or she it whatever. Nobody knows what Puck is. Um, Puck won't automatically phase shift, so that's locked out to her. So that a lot of her survivability is just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Juggernaut got. Like Juggernaut's one of the top tier units now, I think. Yeah. Uh, just because yeah, of what you got. Um, Razor got some changes, probably a little bit of a nerf, it seems like. Yeah, they um, fixed it. They fixed his damage, so it's doing right. what it should be doing instead of the extra that it was doing. Yeah, probably the biggest news I think is the fact that Sniper is now scrappy in addition to Deadeye and Hunter, so he got another ally. Um, uh field on there and uh so scrappy builds have become a big thing now um where they weren't really weren't before in fact scrappy builds are probably 
one of the top tier builds at this time. And then yeah. Tidehunter, Tidehunter make it, made a comeback. Tidehunter is back and got a nice little buff and uh, seems to not be a useless unit anymore. Yeah, the big watermelon's actually pretty useful again with all that extra health he got. Um, yeah, and even uh, upping his attack damage is really, really nice too. So he, I mean, that level one Ravage still feels just awful, but I mean, at least he's got some meat to him now. Uh, an understandable amount of meat that, you know, he's not going to go down almost instantly and let off that sad little Ravage when he's one star. Right. Splashing scale feels a lot better now, too, if, if you want to throw Tidehunter in with your Slark, or if you're some reason in Slardar and Warrior. It, it just feels better with Tidehunter being that much better now. The 1,000 health jump in level 2 from 1,700 to 2,700, it's a big deal if you get him to 2-star. He's very, very tanky. You throw a chainmail on him at 10 armor, he is just a pain to take down. Yeah. Um. But those seem to be, like, the big hero changes that came to be... Um, Sand Kings is pretty big. Right. Uh, this is how it was supposed to work for a long time, but uh, now he's an actual. He's probably one of the strongest assassins right now. He, he his ability to just slow enemies and, and burrow charge and apply that caustic finale to everything. It, it's a pretty big deal, and uh, it really enables a lot of stun uh, that the assassins generally need. Yeah. Yep. I've definitely have seen Sand King being used a lot more since this update. He's definitely also one of the top tier heroes in this game right now. Can can we talk about the biggest buff uh not directly mentioned? Sure. Uh that's our, that's the arc warden. He got a he got a buff. So now he gets that health bonus off the summoning stone, so he's been <laughs> yeah. made even better. That's very true. Uh, yeah, I didn't even uh... realize I didn't even realize he wasn't getting that because that's how good he was anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's still uh plenty capable even without that buff. <laughs> <laughs> the refresher orb though is something else that 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 is an incredible buff yeah it's, it's kind of weird too because i feel like refresher orb was so strong and then they're just like you know what refresher orb needs probably arcane boots and an octarine like <laughs> i mean it's it's not as good as an octarine because it's only half the remaining cooldown of active cooldowns uh, it's not a full half of time from their total, but it's still very good. Uh, it's it. I mean, refresher orb was already a great item at tier four. It's just even better now. Yeah, they they may respond by bumping that up to a tier five. Like then we will never see it again. Rip, <laughs> rip. It, <laughs> become anything that has to compete way. with Shiva's guard immediately becomes garbage. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Yeah, the uh, Ogre Magi, too. Uh, their Bloodlust being down to zero cost, it's it's a really big deal. They just start off casting Bloodlust. Uh, yep. It's not. It, it's still, the randomness of Bloodlust, uh, Bloodlust can feel bad sometimes, especially when Ogre Magi targets your, you know, Crystal Maiden or something, but it, it's still, <laughs> it's a free I, it's a free cast on a, a really potentially very combat-changing spell, so. I think, I think Octarine is a must-have on him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it it helps enable what he wants to do a lot, and and bloodlust is always you know just relevant. Uh, yeah, so taking having it, it. Yeah, having it at two and a half seconds just sounds amazing to me. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. So he, this is one that I was curious on about is the helm of undying. So they fixed an issue where undying units sometimes 
do round damage to the opposing player. Does that mean when they were in Undying and you like killed them off, like that unit still got counted basically as damage? Yes. And yeah, towards so the they cell. took that away, right? So I have a question for you guys because this confused me in a game that I had just yesterday. Is I was fighting someone. Um, they had the Helm of Undying on a, a creature or on a unit. Um, I killed all of their units off. I had one unit left. Their Undying Critter killed mine, and I took the loss and took three damage. Was that supposed to happen? No. Were you in round twenty plus? Yes. Okay, so you take three damage for being around 20 plus. If you're in round 10 plus, you take automatic two damage. Okay. That is exactly what should have happened. Uh, the unit survives to kill you. It can still do damage to the other units, and it can still count as a surviving unit for victory and loss conditions. So I still lose. It's not a tie. It's not a draw. Correct. If Undying had worn out exactly at the same time and it killed you, your unit, it would be a draw. Or like if it applied in a poison or whatever, you ticked off damage enough in time to die at the same time. That can trigger a draw, but yeah. Uh, no, it, it behaved properly. Okay. I, I was just really confused by it because I'm like, I thought they fixed this problem and I didn't understand what was happening. And I just assumed it was going to be a draw, but I guess that's not how it works. So bummer. Yeah, that's, yeah. That shows how good Helm of Undying is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. And it's still good on Bloodseeker, even though they fixed Bloodseeker both not activating the Helm, but also not dying when he bleeds out. Uh, it's still good. It, it's a great way to put a Bloodseeker online that you might have found early. A Helm of the Undying Bloodseeker can really just carry you from rounds 4 to 13, 14 very easily without <laughs> any trouble sometimes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's crazy um willie mentioned it last week i believe how how, how strong it was to throw that together yep. yeah it, yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous watching it in action and charlie's right it will carry you through those those early rounds pretty handily so my question to you guys is let's say that happens to you are you bummed out because you lost that match or are you happy because heck i only took three damage and now i get a free reroll yeah, no, I, I'll if I if I'm not if I'm not on a win streak, then yeah, I'm definitely delighted about that. I guess I should have thrown if you're on a win streak. I wasn't on a win streak, so <laughs> yeah, it, it often depends on the the alliances I'm into. Uh, evasive and druids in general have a have a, seem to have a much easier time navigating through the mid game and not taking a lot of damage to their health, even in rounds where they lose, uh, just by their tanky, healy, evasive nature in general. So. There can be there can be some hidden benefits to playing classes like that, and and taking less round damage and getting free re, re rolls is definitely one of them. Yeah, I was like, because at first I was like, oh man, I should have that should have been a draw, and then I'm like, oh screw it, I got a free re roll, I'm good. <laughs> right, I can like, take the three round damage. Yeah, I'm like, this is fine. This 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 wasn't twenty like I've been getting all day. I'll take the three. I'll take the three. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, was there anything else for heroes and items? Uh, not really. There was a few small hot fixes that came after this patch, but it was basically just cleaning up stuff that was wrong with Disruptor and Sniper. Uh, no real significant changes to balance at all. All right, so probably the biggest thing that we talked about was how matchmaking works in Lords of the White Spire rank now, where they've gone away from... Uh, what they had where it didn't matter the level of players, what the level of players you were in a match with. Um, they, 
basically went from that to now an ELO system where it does matter on the level of the players that you're playing with. And this yeah, is for only sure. for when you're at Lord of the White Spire rank. The um, same system is still applied for boss, big boss, and all lower yep. ranks. Yep. So they're using the whole ELO formula, which is what we talked about last week that they would probably do because it made the most sense. And that's what they implemented. So. Have you guys heard from anybody that's playing Lord what their opinions are on this? Like most if they of like those it better? streamers, most of the streamers I watch are very happy because they feel like they have a reason to try hard now. Uh, that before it just felt like playing a bunch of games wasn't really something they were interested in because it wasn't a good representation of how good they were actually at the game. So a lot of streamers were just kind of messing around, playing with various builds and stuff, and uh, some were were participating, you know, at a very um, competitive rate, but. Now it seems like everybody's a lot happier with the way with, with the way the changes are. Yeah, I I figured it would be positive. It seemed positive to me. I just didn't know anybody that was at that level, and I haven't watched any streams or anything to know what the know what uh, the uh, uh, feedback was. The chatter around the UPL is is that a lot of the players are pretty happy with the the matchmaking changes. They they feel like uh, the games are more competitive. Yeah, awesome. So always nice anything else to talk about on the updates themselves no that that big update should be coming this next this next week the big update what's what's the big update you're talking about uh they put out some tweets saying um they put some tweets out saying that uh, they were implementing some of the recent patches as part of a larger patch that was coming right um with it being the international, um, a lot of players are expecting Valve to uh, update their Dota-related products in some way. So people are like expecting some kind of announcement for Artifact, and, and people are obviously expecting some kind of announcement for uh, Underlords. And uh, it would make sense for Valve to dump, dump a big patch this week. All right. Maybe we see what those Underlords are about. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I I would expect that that would be the announcement. Oh, that would be cool. That, that, I'm yeah, super that, excited that would, to that, see what that's going to be. Yeah, that would that that uh, announcement of that size would that would definitely be something they would announce at the international, either via tweet um, after the international ends. I don't expect the patch to hit until after the inter- international ends. Right. At the very least, I hope they have more protopass stuff because I hit 25 and I'm capped now, so I need more oh. uh, mm. need more emotes and boards. I'm not quite to 25 yet, but I'm almost there. Nice. So uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe by the time I get there, they'll add more stuff. That would be pretty cool. Maybe I can get a different emote than the spicy pepper. <laughs> yeah, I went back to Owl. Everybody had the spicy pepper, and I, I just missed <laughs> Owl. <laughs> I like Oi. Yeah, I will always be a fan of oi, oi boys. Um, or I just go back to just yo because yo's yeah. just icon- very iconic at this point. Like, honestly, with our podcast too, we should all just be on yo. I know, but nobody knows us, so we're fine. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I don't. I don't know. We, if this will be grassroots yoing. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, maybe maybe in a few weeks. Maybe maybe people will know us. Who knows? Um, but beyond that, like uh, the updates. So so we know what the updates are. We know, hey, these heroes got buffed. Some got nerfed. Um, with it, of course, has affected the meta. Um, Charlie, how 
how has the meta been affected by this update? What have you seen more of? What have you seen less of? What are, what are you finding success with? It seems like Brawny has become a very strong, high-rolling build now. With the buff to Juggernaut, Juggernaut being like that third big-time functional unit, and the ability to throw an axe in on round one, and maybe a double axe on round two with a Beastmaster on round three, and you really start getting those kill streak going on the mob to build up the Brawny buff. I, those make a big difference in, in really letting Brawny snowball. I'm seeing, I'm seeing Brawny just either place seventh or eighth, or just absolutely dominate the entire game. It's kind of item dependent. They need a little bit of luck, but once a Brawny high rolls, it, it's kind of a hard thing to overcome. Uh, Enigma is helpful. There's uh, help with you can find some help in Doom if you're lucky, and and he gets his buff off on the Beastmaster or something. But Brawny's Brawny's pretty dangerous right now. So uh, on the Brawny buff, do you only get that if you have two units or more? Correct. You need okay. it. Yeah, you can start building the kill streaks as early though. Uh, okay, that's why one that, of the that's reasons what I was you wondering. Get yeah. going right away. Okay. Yeah, it tracks your kill streak. You can always click on the unit and check there and see where they're at, but and or their total kills, and that will in uh, obviously they'll use that to empower themselves with the brawny buff once you throw in a second or a fourth brawny in the in the uh, party. Right. So so one of the strategies then, if you want brawny, is definitely pick up axe round one. Start having them you know get get those buffs up get those kill yeah, streaks it's pretty, up it's pretty important because if you count all of the units that come out in uh the first three rounds that is a total of 10 potential kills so right that's that that's a big deal at 25 or then later 50 i believe or 40 i can't remember offhand for brawny right now but so even better if you get brawny and then Beastmaster juggernaut like first two or three rounds match them up together and you're doing pretty good <laughs> Yeah, the quicker you get them together and the quicker you can get them to start rolling if you get decent items in the game to ensure that they win fights and they, they keep they keep scaling, it, it, it gets out of control pretty quickly. So what kind of items do you put on Brawny then? Well, all the, um, some people really like obviously having the high tier items. Anything that like a Glove of Haste or anything like uh, Stormbreaker or Stormcracker or whatever. Uh, I, I really like Blightstone, especially on Juggernaut. He applies a lot of physical damage. His... Uh, ultimate is physical as well so it just kind of compiles on itself with this quick attack speed and just constantly applies that minus three armor onto the opponent the um uh i'm sorry vitality booster is also very helpful that extra health can make sure that they win fights and not lose them increasing their kill streak uh, anything that's a high tier item for a carry on Beastmaster is fine moonshard whatever all those things uh just, just uh, anything that enables them to survive fights and get kills essentially right um what other what other th things have changed in the meta? We, we've talked about Brawny now um, becoming a, a big deal. I believe Scrappy is now becoming more of a bigger deal, right? Or yeah. or Scrappy always there, and I just missed it. Scrappy was good, but it's it's a lot better now. I'm sure Zexorus can speak to seeing as much as he saw in the, in the recent tournaments with Sniper now being a, a, a Scrappy unit. He enables a lot of different comp comps. Right. Yeah, um... Uh, yeah, you're right. Like I agree, the Brawny was definitely hotly contested. Knights not so much dominant dominant anymore. Um, I I saw a lot of four knights on four undead combos, which was really surprising. I, I thought they would have went for the six knights, but um, a lot of hunters hunters had come on really strong that tournament, especially in combination with like mages or um, or uh, what's the other one? Brawny? Warriors? Brawny? 
or no running? assassins assassins oh sorry all right yeah okay yeah but uh, and primordial a ton of primordial was getting picked yeah, Primordial is still very good. Uh, the ability to just throw a summoning stone down with Primordial, Tiny is one of the best units in the game. Morphling does large splash damage, and obviously late game Arc Warden is a beast. <laughs> Primordial Knights, that was another one I saw a lot of. Um, let's let me think here. Yeah, one one of the games Furman's won yesterday. He got two summoning stones early, grabbed Primordials, and just literally never looked back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. That extra attack damage and health on each Eidolon that spawns after unit's death, it, it makes them really hard to deal with. You need that uh, strong AoE burst damage that usually doesn't come online for a lot of compositions until late. Interesting. So, um... One thing I like to do, though, uh, just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut go you ahead. off. Just, no, go ahead. When it comes to a meta and everything's changing, I kind of stay away from the new hot thing. So I've been staying away from Brawny. I've been staying away from Scrappy for the most part, unless it's just given to me. I obviously don't just run away from it if it's if it's being offered. So I find that Knights, and I'm also finding that Shadow Fiend not being as contested these days makes for very strong picks. Uh, adding Slapping Shadow Fiend in a lot of comps just works. And if you see Knights and nobody else is in it, there's no reason not to roll aggressively for it. Interesting. So... Here's here's a question for you, just uh uh just to try to help me understand. Um, you know, if you were given these units on turn one, what would you pick? So here's uh round one, you're given um a, a choice of axe, uh, enchantress, bounty hunter, tiny or tusk. What do you decide to go with? Me personally, I never pick a unit in round one uh, I, because there's literally no penalty to fighting or to losing round one. Really? You down tier, yeah, you down tier a level but uh, on your item picks, but that doesn't matter because everything is downscaled to level one no matter what on the first level. So I'll just hold tab and watch what everybody else picks. And if nobody took Tiny, I'd take Tiny. If nobody took Bounty Hunter, I'd take Bounty Hunter. I literally, I always take the one that nobody took most time most of the time unless i feel very strongly about a uh, a potential build i want to go with early on for some reason or if i need to lock because i just hit like the perfect first board with you know i can roll into a two star or whatever but yeah usually i'll go with whatever nobody picked that way whenever my second roll comes up i have the highest odds of rolling into a three star and contest it or that's, a two -star that's, a, that's such a galaxy brain answer i don't know how to respond <laughs> to it because i was just going to say enchantress because i feel two druids early on is really strong but charlie just drops the thesis i he, he went and he went in a direction i was not expecting yeah, um, but no, it makes sense but it makes yeah. sense and now i understand like charlie's one of those that he's like yeah just bring on the emotes just bring them on because that's what's gonna happen right everybody's yeah. gonna emote yo or you know that's hot or whatever and uh charlie's just gonna be like yeah um emote all you want because i'm gonna destroy you <laughs> yeah i i mean it's, it seems like a pretty common tactic uh, among some of the um players that i watch on stream so i just kind of picked it up over the past week and a half but it, it ever since the changes yeah there's literally no real reason unless huh. you get an axe to play anything on, on round one see it doesn't really matter axe was going to be what i was going to pick because just based on yeah. what you said about brawny right and you'd be 100 percent correct there if you're just if you're 
gauging on which unit you should play on round one, Axe is always the correct play because it's the only one that really has any potential value on round one. And see, it's I always impossible to lose with any unit, right? And i I always look, I always looked at Axe before we had this conversation. As I was like, ah, I, I don't really like Brawny, but now you've changed my mind a little bit um, because I I didn't fully understand. I think how it really worked because normally yeah. I always picked Tinier Tusk. I j- and you're not wrong, and I I just I generally stay away from running myself unless those these situations present present themselves where you can just potentially roll so high that you're going to be unstoppable in the late game. But at the flip side of this, if you had um, three things, you're going to lock that and take it. Like like yeah. if you got three tinies, you're going to lock that and take three tinies. Um, yeah, I don't care what it is. I'm taking three Shadow Shamans. There's nothing right. I'm not locking for an automatic two-star in round two. Especially with Trolls getting a lot better as these patches go on. I'm seeing a lot of people play Shadow Shaman now. And two... To a lot of success and late game, you can't really undervalue the shaman buff. Uh, we saw I, I, the game I tuned in and watched you uh, cast, Willie. Actually, the uh, shaman buff had become a little bit relevant. Yeah, shaman's so infuriating now, man. Like yeah. you'll try to get that good right click going, and then all you know, your guys are chickens, and it's really <laughs> frustrating. Like yeah, that's it... how you stop a slark. That's how you stop a, a, a three star blood seeker with a helm of undying. Is go yeah. shaman. Every time they're attacked, it has a 70% chance to just completely ruin your day. Yeah, someone's <laughs> going to get really good with shamans, and we're just going to call them Mr. 17%. <laughs> yeah. That's what, good, mean, that's what uh, good Spirit Breaker players are called in Dota 2, Dota 2 Mr. 17%. Because he's got a 17% chance to, like, bash somebody. But I'm seeing a lot of people roll Arc Warden Disruptor and, and Shadow Shaman, or if they find the Enigma for that uh, Shaman buff, a lot more so than they were at least last month. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, to answer your question, but yeah, anything, anything I find three of, or even sometimes four or five of, it's an auto lock. You know. Yeah, we need to have more of these type of discussions where I just bring up some hypothetical units and we just go over what we would pick and why. I think that would be good. Yeah, I'm always like down that. to uh, discuss this stuff. There's, uh, there's never quite the hundred percent right answer either, right? You're always got to take in consideration what your opponent has, things like that. So. Sure. Sure. But theoreticals are always good to. It's a good exercise for this game because understanding what potentially might happen it gives you the best odds to win. Yeah. Um. Anything else about the meta that you wanted to discuss? Mm, no, I'm good. All right. Uh, uh, I will say, don't be afraid to put um, fall from. Race on hunters right now, especially if you're rolling into Lycan, he enables that, and then obviously Drow, and then late game you can pair them with something like a Necro uh, for and and a Kunkka, and that'll give you four Heartless, and that'll enable your um, hunters when they do their uh, double attacks to do a lot of extra damage. I yeah, I'm I'm finding that to be very effective right now, and I, I'm thinking Fall from Grace is now not only just a uh, just a uh, night item like I previously thought. I think it's very good in Hunter right now. I actually went Fall from Grace in a Hunter build recently. Um, I, I ended up getting fourth with it, but um, it, it like mid-game, like between rounds 15 and 20, it was doing some insane like damage to people. Yeah, it can feel really good. And then if you get the Necro or something else to enable it, it's just, it compounds on it. Right. It's, it's, it's I, actually, I actually went all the way up to, I think I had... I think I had six Heartless by the end oh, of wow. it. Um, and that's probably the reason why I ended up in fourth. I probably should have stopped where I was going. 
but I, I find more than four um, not as needed. But it, if it all fits, it doesn't matter. I just I just went for it. It probably <laughs> wasn't needed. <laughs> so, um, but beyond that, uh, we should hop over into the pro corner. Welcome to the pro corner. So this week, uh, last week, if you listen to the show, we talked about tier one items. Uh, Charlie kind of put together a nice little tier list, and we talked about what the best items on tier one were. And uh, uh, this week, we're going to talk about tier two items. So, yeah. Charlie, where 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 do we begin on this? Well, we'll start with the best tier here. Uh, tier two items, they have very important effects. A lot of them aren't really about enabling large amounts of strength. They're about their effects for the most part. Uh, there are a few exceptions here or there, but for the most part, a lot of your strength is going to come from those tier one items in, in chain mail and uh, gloves of haste and lightstone. And tier two is about rolling those effects, um, rolling that strength into effects that enable your ultimates or enable your formations uh, abilities or whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh, the two best items right now in tier two, I believe to be Helm of Undying and Arcane Boots. Helm of the Undying is insane. Uh, the armor gain is uh, pretty relevant for most units that would put it on. It's a plus five, um, plus five armor. And then when the unit dies, it survives for an additional, is it five seconds? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a big deal for Bloodseeker. Bloodseeker, we talked about it last week. There's uh, damage ramps up with the amount of health missing, so he gets a full five seconds at a full hundred percent buff, and it it can just really he can he can mow through two units during the time that Helm of the Undying is activated. It's great on units that are your tanks like Kunkka, like Tidehunter, anybody who's looking to get off their abilities. Slardar, um, it it just enables them. It gives them more time to get their cooldowns and abilities off and just stay in the fight for a longer period of time. Uh, it makes differences in, in very close fights, as Jared pointed out earlier, where yep. he was winning and then ended up losing. And even though the car- the unit he killed ended up winning or ended up making him lose the fight. Yep. So, uh, that's happened more any- than once. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's happened a couple times to me as well. Did you see any um, cool strategies with Helm of the Undying? uh willie when you were uh casting uh i've seen uh a couple helm of the undyings on a coddle which i thought was actually pretty pretty big brain because he uh, more often than not that coddle would end up getting a full charge uh ultimate off yeah yeah it could really enable a one-star coddle and give him the time he needs to be able to make that last charge off or even a two-star maybe get two of them off like really a hell and dying is great on anything that requires channeling like because you will get that channel off yeah to that to that effect you could put that on sniper as well okay. yeah and that that was another thing i did as like a, a game i was playing i ended up throwing it on the sniper and he 100 percent got any headshot off like any assassinate it was he was getting it off it was plenty of time. All right. And then I was throwing on, I was throwing on some like like quick units as well, like a Venomancer. I was running it on him as well. And he'd get, on average, at least one extra um, ward off. All right. Just, yeah. just because I know some listeners are probably asking the same question that's going through my head right now. What the heck is a coddle? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Keeper of the light. Um, okay. <laughs> I... I that's a that's a really long old time Dota two holdover. Um, I've got people I, coming in behind me. 
so many people call him Coddle that I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that it was Keeper of the Light straight up. I, I'm glad uh, Willie was able to answer that one. Uh, yeah, but Hum of the Undying, very, very strong with a, a lot of different units. Uh, you slap it on a Lycan, give him extra time to do more damage, uh, enable his tankiness a little bit, slap it on backline units. It, it's just effective everywhere. So what about that's Arcane good. Boots? Like yeah, our, this is an item that's very dependent on your formation. Um, so what it does is when you get your maximum mana to 50%, it, it basically triggers and gives 25 mana to all the units surrounding that unit up to two cells away. So it's very helpful at the center of your formation. And it's even stronger on a unit with a low mana pool, like a Slardar or um, a Batrider has the lowest. He only needs, I believe, 25 mana to trigger his. So as soon as he gets to 13 and a half mana, it makes the Arcane Boots prop. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of units, uh, most units have a baseline of, of 100 mana for their cost, I believe. But yeah, it, it, it's all dependent on when their effect goes off. If, uh, if the... Um, Arcane Boots will trigger because it, it, it matters at 50%. So 50% yeah, uh, of the max mana. And Batrider's only 20. He only has a, a 20 mana pool. So he basically gets 20. one. Yeah. He, so basically he gets one attack off and those mana boots pop, which is really valuable. Slar yeah. Slarder is also pretty low. Uh, Nature's Prophet, I believe, is only at 40. Uh, there's a few others that are that are on the lower end that, that pair better with Arcane Boots. But it's not... The more important part is that it's going to touch as many units as possible that can be affected by it. Uh, 25 extra mana to all your units to give them their ultimates can give your entire team a huge edge in every fight and enable them to win battles they normally would lose. Interesting. So so with this, so this is your best tier. Um, would we say that um, this would be better than any tier 1 unit, tier 1 item then? That is kind of dependent on what you have. Now, if you already have two chainmails for whatever reason early on, and then you're offered Helm of the Undying, uh, let's say something, something bad like a cloak, and then your third offer is Gloves of Haste, I'd probably take the Gloves of Haste because, it's like I said, it's a 25% flat increase to DPS in all phases of the game. Uh, and that's that's relevant for damage. So you might need more damage. If I had two gloves of the haste, and uh, maybe I don't know, it, it's tough to call. But the only items that I think would beat it out are gloves of haste and chainmail. And it's highly dependent on what your formation is and how bad you feel like you'll need arcane boots. There are situations where arcane boots might not be as helpful, especially if you're a team of uh, passive effects. It's really not as good if you're going assassins. A lot of assassins rely on passive effects and blinking around so they don't make the most out of their uh, ability to stay in a clump formation. All right. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say most of the time that's true, uh, but not not always. Okay. feel like that's a pretty hot take. <laughs> but so you're the big boss player here. Uh, like, I, if I had a Helm of Undying versus Gloves of Haste, I'm pretty... I'm pretty much taking the the Helm of Undying. Yeah, like uh, I, I because don't think that... I I feel like the Helm Helm of Undying is a is an item that dictate it's too good of an item to pass up. And at that point, you're kind of, it's kind of dictating to you, hey, you're gonna go a certain build at this point. Um, maybe I I, I in those situation that I had laid out where. I had already taken a chain mail or two, or maybe I had chain mail Helm of Undying, and then the third round it offered me Helm of Undying and Gloves of Haste in the same pool. 
I might want something for damage. Uh, I, I like to make sure that at least one of my units is able to pump out their DPS as quick as possible. And in, in mm -hmm. that case, I already feel like I'm pretty defensive. But I mean, I could be 100% wrong on that as well. <laughs> okay. That's just the way I think about it when I, I'm evaluating items strengths. It depends on what I'm doing and how much of one type of effect I already have. Yeah, I see these two as like if they're up against any tier one, I'd probably take them no matter what. Yeah, and and you wouldn't be wrong to do so. I don't think so. Um, tier two items are generally better than tier ones if they're evaluated on the same tiers that I, um, not not necessarily that I laid out, but it. I try to think about that when I'm comparing tier one and tier two. All right, so let's talk about the next best tier. You had best tier and then next best tier. Yes, next best tier contains Blink Dagger, Summoning Stone, and the Global Item Smuggler. Uh, blink Dagger, it lets you blink to a unit, uh, Blink they blink to the farthest away enemy, and they immediately gain 50 mana. So this enables a lot of units that need the ability to get their spells off quickly to be um, to be strong, that are just trying to get that spell off that, that's more important than anything. So like Demons. Uh, demons, it's it's really good on Demons. I think it's it's great on Terror Blade. I definitely think it has place on Shadow, Shadow Fiend. I don't think it's as good because he's a bit squishy, but Shadow Fiend definitely makes use out of it. Yeah. I think you can put it on a Kunkka for backline um, mm -hmm. backline ship shenanigans. I've put it on Lycan before. Great on Lycan. I think it's also great on Lone Druid. Uh, both are just trying to get their big cast off and, and putting them on their back on the uh, enemy's backline and making sure that the, that either the bear or the wolves get get brought out um it brings a lot of damage to the table it's pretty much good on every mage yeah yeah it's it's uh it's i i think it's a waste on certain units i see a lot of people but blink on on puck for some reason when i'm playing i don't really get it pucks pucks kind of weak for that I, I i don't think it's a very good use of your blink dagger I'd, I'd almost rather have it on any other mage outside of puck actually if you're uh ogre magi because he doesn't use magic but if uh, actually, it, I can tell you why it's pretty good on Puck is if you're going Dragon Alliance, Puck has a, an insane amount of survivability thanks to phase shift. Um, well, not anymore now though. You just stun him and he dies, right? And yeah. Jumping yeah. on their backline, you're you're more likely to get stunned by. Uh, I I find more often than not. I mean, I the way I set up a lot of my backline units is so that they catch people with bad effects. Uh, whether it be, you know, I, I put my person who has the skull cracker in the back, or maybe if I'm forced into a blade mail, my back unit will have a blade mail just to eat up anything that jumps on it. Okay, okay. But that's just just one of the reasons I don't really like it on on it on uh, puck. It it's great on most units, though. It, it really enables a lot of um, units to get their all very important ultimate off. I'll, I'll put it on nature's profit sometimes if I'm an elusive just to get more trees out. It's not bad on Disruptor. Yeah, it's pretty strong on Disruptor. Yeah. All right, so what about Summoning Stone? <laughs> yeah, it's just a really good item, and they keep making it better. I'm surprised that it hasn't been touched at all. I I have this in Next Best Tier, but like honestly, like if you have the right comp for it, it's the best Tier 2 item, right? What's the right comp for this? Anything that has a decent amount of summons in it, you definitely love Primordial. Uh, Primordial right. has the Eidolons every time they die. Uh, Beast, great. You have you have Venomancer. Uh, you also have Lycan. Yep. Uh, both very desirable units to have something. Works with on. Lone Druid too, right? Yep. 
Lone yep. Druid as well. Yep, he summons his. You can also throw Nature's Prophet in the mix there yep. with all the uh, trees. Any units, uh, I believe that's all of the summon units, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think, think there's many yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, but those those are all just highly, highly enabled by Summoning Stone. It, the, the strength that it gives those compositions, it's better than most items in the game in that regard because it's, it's just a global item that's a flat buff to that entire extra aspect of of those alliances and, and if you can junk up a board with summons it makes a big difference and the copy of arc warden we forgot about that one. Oh yeah arc warden yeah but he's he's in primordial too so that's even better so each, right. each clone dies and it's stronger as well <laughs> yep so yeah yeah if you're if you're knowing that you're definitely going that route like if you got venomancer early or nature's prophet early and you're just like well i'm going primordial or you got primordials early. That's definitely one to grab. And if yeah. you get multiples of them, they stack. Yeah, and that that's where it gets very dangerous. You'll you'll generally have to make a choice on this on rounds two or three if you're lucky, and then generally ten and fifteen. Those are the times you'll see it, and you'll know. Um, the best time to see it is ten because you'll kind of know where you're going from there. So right, and you can be like me and get like three of them because um, you died to the dogs and got downgraded and ended up getting getting the uh, or died to the no it wasn't dogs it was potato and tomato and got downgraded and got a third one by doing that so yeah, i ended up winning hey, that game and that's a valid strategy uh, for summoning stone and uh an item we'll be talking about in the next year as well uh losing round 20 it, it's not it's not a bad play sometimes it really isn't right um and so then the final the way- one was smuggler why is smuggler in the next best tier so smuggler and and the value of smuggler is really really high if you go late into the game especially if you get to round 30 and 35 it it ups your chance at getting really strong tier four and tier five items uh generally i want to see smuggler in round two three or ten otherwise i won't take it um if you see it in two it's really really good it it feels great you get a chance at uh, a tier three item in round three and a tier, I, I don't know if you can get tier four in round 10, but definitely round 15, you can start getting tier fours off a of smuggler. So it just lets you, it's not like um, embarrassment of riches where you just have more options of the same tier or, you, you know, this this bumps you up a whole nother tier. It, it can make a huge difference for high rolling into certain items and enable a lot of different builds. I, I think the potential upside of it is very high for a tier two item, dependent on on when you get it. I think it's kind of kind of a crap. It might not be good in round ten. I I, I can't really decide yet. But see, it I I in my personal opinion, I think if I get it in two or three, I take it hundred percent of the time, unless yeah. I get something completely ridiculous. Which I I honestly. If I'm giving a choice between Smuggler, Helm of a Dying, and Arcane Boots, I'm on on turn two. I might go ahead and take Smuggler because I feel yeah, like same, it's that good same. right there, right? If I see yeah. Smuggler on turn ten, I'm not taking it. I I'm I'm a lot more hesitant to take it, and I will agree its value is definitely diminished by round ten. The only thing that I can really say in defense of it is if you're win streaking and you're just feeling really hot about what you got right there, and you know you're going to be in those later rounds. And you're worried about being able to fight fight it out with somebody who might high roll in the mid game. Having that smuggler and and seeing that Shiva's guard after you beat Dragon on thirty five, it, it feels great. Okay. So yeah, the um, next tier is the OK tier. Uh, we have the uh, big time contract, Fall from Grace, and Brooch of the Aggressor. Big time contract was the item I was alluding to earlier. Just that sometimes losing in round twenty, so you can keep getting more contracts. It's a it's a 
big deal for enabling that comp. Um, you can get them as early as round two and up into round 20 if you lose. So that uh, you have the potential of getting four contracts, I suppose. I feel uh, like big-time contract is so risky. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, it's a li- The risk has been mitigated a little bit because of the 250 health you get out of it. It's not like a complete whiff if you um, don't find anything else for it. But it's a, you know it's at least still a bit booster, right? But I don't know how many games I've gone where that's all. Like I picked one early and then I never saw one again. Yeah. Um, and then and I'm like, I, was... I don't want to go Warlock or Ogre Mage in my comp just to fire it off. Ogre Mage is at least a little better now. Zero cost. It doesn't feel as bad throwing him in. He can cast a Bloodlust and die right away. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like um, I have a lot of hard, I have a very hard time piloting Bloodbound. It's definitely one of my blind spots, so I, I don't want to speak too strongly. But I do feel like it. even players who play it well, it is a risky strategy, and that's why Big Time Contract is in the okay tier. Yeah, yeah playing Bloodbound, like I like to play Bloodbound a lot. Uh, I got I got lucky one game, and I ended up getting three of them, and I had I had just the biggest slark in the world because I'd thrown right. an ogre magi in there, and so like the down like I ended up getting a three star. I I did win that game with that three star slark, that giant three star slark, big fish man on your screen, um, and the, really that that was probably the best I ever felt because I had three big time contracts, so I was able to put them on like a throwaway unit and then two meaningful units. That would definitely be- benefit. I think I had a two-star Dragon Knight, so he had that BTC damage on his Dragon form. It was pretty sweet. And this is why we call you Big Time Contract Wooly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our resident Big Time Contract man. <laughs> He's all about the memes. No, I, I, I agree. I, I love me some memes in playing games. When it works, when it works, it's hilarious. I love oh, it. That's but... that's why I play it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things, and, and now with Ogre Magi changing, there's a few things I want to evaluate, and I haven't really tried them myself, but I'm curious how it is just rolling aggressively now for Warlock and Ogre Magi, since Ogre Magi is a functional unit, and if you put Warlock in the back, you might be able to get something out of them, and then maybe you only need one big time contract on your big unit, like a Luna or something, something that stays in the back. Maybe a corner stack, I don't know, I, I've got to play around with it. Right, so I I would definitely recommend putting it on 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 a Luna. Like she can crank out just ridiculous damage. Yeah, with, she's uh, my with favorite it. target for big time contract for sure. Yeah. So what also about great on, what, uh, what about Fall from Grace? Why are we Why are we picking this on the OK tier? It just enables so many different com. Well, not so many. It it enables knights and it enables hunters very well right now. Uh, you can use it on Mage too. It's it gives you that magic slash uh, attack burst although i like the silence a little better on the mage that humans provide but yeah i I, it's just one of those things where it's okay because it it doesn't really do anything for a lot of uh, different compositions but in knights it feels great you pair it with a sylv abaddon comes on later you throw necro away with your warlord you get double warlock it just all makes sense with that together reducing armor helps out the knights and they're a little bit of lack of strength same thing with uh when you do it for hunters you do it you know you throw it with the same units uh, except lycan now enables fall from grace to uh you know subtract the armor and the uh archers get their secondary attacks off of uh, the hunter bonus, then it, it can just all start snowballing really quickly, just that extra effect. But yeah, you can only really evaluate it as okay because it's it's kind of a dud in a lot of in a lot of comps. 
All right. Um, so with that said, why Brooch of the Aggressor at this tier? Uh, Brooch of the Aggressor is pretty okay. Um, it doubles your mana gain on auto attack. It, it's, it's kind of the opposite, obviously, of Brooch of the Martyr. Brooch of the Martyr doubles the, uh, doubles the mana you gain when you're attacked. But Brooch is a little better on units that have a low cooldown and, and do a lot of attacking and try to put their... Um, put as many of their ultimates out there as possible. The first couple of uh, units that uh, spring right to my mind are Venomancer and Nature's Prophet. Both of them really uh, benefit from Brooch. And some of the later units, like Necro or Disruptor, anything you're trying to get that auto attack uh, off um, on that needs to get that mana off, it, it's very helpful. Getting a little tongue-tied, sorry. All right. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I, I was curious on what units you would consider putting on that um those seem good yeah yeah anything with a lower cooldown it, it's it's better it's pretty good on Murano late uh it gives her a chance to get off of maybe an extra arrow or two it can also help alchemist in in certain situations it's great on tinkerer especially if you get him to three star oh man tinker is so ridiculous at three star already he doesn't need something else <laughs> helps them keep up with that 0.5 second mana cooldown like oh, that geez. said you'll you'll still want anything that increases dps more than this uh you're right. I, I don't want to get people too uh too excited about uh <laughs> breach of the aggressor right. um so now going to the bad tier yeah and really i just have agus of the immortal here uh i think its value is determined by the user. If you're in a tournament, it's it's a lot more valuable. You could you could rank it as the best tier two item because it could be the difference between you making you know let's say, I don't know throw out random numbers. Let's say fourth and fifth place is the difference between twenty thousand dollars and and five thousand dollars. Obviously, Agus is a great item in that situation. Uh, if you're ranking and you're on boss five and you you know everything has been close and you've been scratching for that big boss or you big boss and you're scratching for Lord. Or you're a Lord player and you just want your MMR and it's it's more important to you than anything. Agus obviously has more value to you there, but at the end of the day, it's an item that relies on you losing. And I, I have a hard time ranking an item that does that very high. And this is why I disagree, because you have a really bad tier under this. And I feel like Agus not only goes in the really bad tier, but even below that. I understand. <laughs> I understand your tournament um uh discussion about it i can i can see that where a uh, difference between fifth and fourth really really matters and it mm -hmm. does matter in when you're laddering as well but i feel like a game i like i have a better chance at, at this early in the game when agus would be coming up i have a better chance on picking an item that's going to help me get the third or second rather than an item that i'm going to pick that's going to decide on if i get fifth or fourth yeah, um, and you're not wrong. Uh, there's there's arguments to say that it's really helpful in enabling late game builds, especially if you're using a build that's more reliant on getting to level 8, 9, or 10. Uh, there's not many builds that are reliant on getting to 10 right now, but they are out there like elusive. So it, it can help you. Maybe you die and then suddenly you come online and then you never look back from that point and you end up in first. So I guess has huge value there in saving you from a 6 or 7th place. With that action. said, there are times I have taken... Agus, and that's times where I'm like, man, I'm getting my butt kicked. I'm not like I, I'm have, I'm struggling with my build right now. I'm gonna freaking lose this game. And let's see if instead of getting eighth, I can get fifth or sixth and <laughs> mitigate how much I lose. Um, but that, but at the same time, like 
I don't know if that's the correct mindset I should be in at that point. I I think if you see it on round 10 or 15, you can look at it like this. Like, am I in mages? Do I feel like I'm going to need uh, tier 5 units to really complete this build? You know, Troll or Lord Lich, Gyro, things that... Things that I feel are going to be my power spike. Are they are they tier four or tier five units? I could kind of look at Agus in the light of, well, I might roll a little low and not see those till later. So I might need Agus to set up, especially if my options aren't that great. If I'm, you know, just presented with a couple crappy options, maybe they give you fall from grace and big time contract and, and you just have no interest in either. Yeah. Now there was a time that I played a game where the guy, uh, it, it was between me and him for first and second. And for some reason, he had gotten and picked three Aguses. <laughs> and you know That's what happened? You know what happened? I you beat are. him three times in a row. <laughs> and he couldn't get first. I mean, because at that point, it's like, well, there's not much you can do against me right now. You're just going to continue to get beat and die, and you're just prolonging the game. Yeah, that, that's where Agus feels really bad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give everybody a pro tip out there. Don't take more than one Agus. What are you doing? I don't know what that guy was doing, but I'm just like, all right, cool, I got him. Yeah, I'm just like, cool, I got him. And it's like, oh, okay, he had an Agus. All right, cool, I got him. What? He had another Agus. What the heck? Oh, I got him. Oh, wait, he had another Agus? <laughs> this is why looking at your opponent's board is important, kids. Yes. <laughs> I, I never pay attention to, like, the items in that level. That wasn't, like... I was beating him anyway, so I didn't really care. So yeah. I'm just like, all right. I, I did after the third time go, okay, does he have another Aegis? Okay, <laughs> he doesn't. I think I'm good. <laughs> so, seven yeah, rounds, um, seven rounds, and all I got are Aeguses. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can definitely see the uses for it. I can see why some t- top players are pretty high on it, but it's just it's personally not something I'm, I think is very valuable. But even less valuable in the really bad, bad tier is Blade Mail. Um, this this item is pretty garbage. It it returns 30% of the damage you take back at the unit. But you know what it also does? It gives that unit mana. That's That sucks. That means they get their ultimate faster. Uh, there, now there, sorry, there is one use and one use only for Blade Mail. And that is to hope you reflect 30% of like some crazy 2,000 crit off an assassin comp. Now that that was yeah, I would say that is probably the best. There there are times where you get forced into a blade mail, right? And you can kind of think about what unit you want to use in the back, and that's likely going to draw the ire of assassins. Maybe somebody you're not worried about sacking, or somebody that's a little tanky. Sometimes in late game, when I'm in savage, especially if I'm in six savage, like tusk usefulness falls off late game on the front line. But his ability to walrus punch assassins and potentially put them out of play for a little bit on top of blade mail and his uh, normal tankiness, there, there's some strength there. It, it, there's some counter synergy there. But for the most part, blade mail is going to feel like a very dead item. It, its effect is pretty minimum. It, Like I said, it returns the damage, but it also enables their tanks to get their stuns off faster or whatever. So if you just slap it on your front line, you're kind of making their tanks better. For so, just a little yeah. bit of extra damage. So the new name for this should be Blade Fail. Blade Fail, yes. Yep. Blade Fail, perfect. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> There's nothing else to move on to. Uh, that was everything. 
Well, you shouldn't have said blade fail so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, hard to, it's hard to top that, man. <laughs> well, I heard you almost call it that. You corrected yourself, and that's why I'm like, oh, it's blade fail. Okay, got it's it. has got to be blade fail. Yeah, yeah blade no. fail. All right. Um, so out of all of these, like, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier with the best tier. Like, where do we, like, where do the tier one uh, top tier items not get picked over or get picked over the tier two? items where would you say tier one best tier ends up in this list like gloves of haste uh, and chainmail probably gloves of haste i mean gloves of haste is kind of on its own like that that item could be in almost every tier and a 25 percent attack increase is never bad unless it's compared to a man there are some people on reddit who will disagree with you on that and that's that's fine <laughs> I, I just i just think gloves of haste i ran is, into it <laughs> and people and that's fine but i i just it's it enables your main damage so i i put gloves of haste in kind of its own little universe uh one chainmail is cool but i still wouldn't put it above helm of undying or arcane boots uh it probably falls somewhere under blink dagger as well okay and the rest of it falls pretty far under um i mean big time contract is just a better vit booster right mm-hmm. so uh Claymore, I'm not a huge fan of. It just falls off. I'd rather have Brooch over Martyr in most cases, although Martyr's resistance is nice. I I think Tranquil Boots are pretty good. Uh, Tranquil Boots, you know, they're but they're still, you know, lower end. I'd say most of Tier 1 falls somewhere between the uh, next best tier and the bad tier, uh, because Aegis of the Immortal on Blade Tier is pretty bad. Blade Mail is pretty bad. Yeah. I, I, I was just wondering, because a lot of times, especially on the first three rounds, like, you've got tier one and tier two kind of mix yeah yeah uh well with the okay tier here those are all dependent on you know what you're kind of building so same thing with summoning stone smugglers depending on when you find it cloak from tier one's always bad so don't worry about that just throw that one out yeah you know i've had a lot of people on reddit tell me hood of defiance is the best item so i i I thought that was interesting they're like i would choose this 100 percent of the time over gloves of haste i'm like all right you be you hi (laughs) i'm just i'm not seeing top end players do this very often but i guess it's a way of thinking where you you feel like being defensive in uh you're you're banking on your defenses later to carry you through to a win yeah and i guess i can't necessarily say that's a terrible strategy i just think relying on magic resistance is it's a weird thing to do because you don't know you know, you could just get ripped up by a three-star slark, hoping that your magic resistance helps you later on, and it never did. Right. I I I kind of agree with that, but um, there's definitely two lines of thinking, and I've learned that very very recently. Uh, we look, yeah. kind of learned on the show because Willie, you kind of agree with that that as well as yeah, you talked yeah, about last I, week. I, I definitely like Hood of Defiance because Mage is really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. What were you gonna say, Charlie? Oh, I was just gonna. Ask uh, Willie if he had any any differing opinions on the uh, on the item tiering this week. No, I, I would put Blink Dagger up up one personally, but I definitely don't disagree with it being where where you placed it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with the tier list as a whole. Like Undying, Hel- there is no unit in the game that's not made better by Helm of Undying. I mean, even Crystal Maiden, like. Five seconds, that's five more ticks of her, of her mana passive. That could there, actually lead to a I, lot of stuff. I can think of I can think of one or two, and that's putting it on your Bloodbound. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, Bloodbound, Frontline, the one that you're putting up front to die first. 
Okay. You probably don't the... want that on your helm. <laughs> you probably don't want Helm of Undying on that. I don't know critter. because that might. Okay, so that might be another. That's another cast of 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 of, of bloodlust, blood and and that's potentially another cast of. Uh, Whatever uh, warlocks uh, do. Shadow word. Shadow word. Yeah. So yeah, no, actually, yeah, I. Uh, well, I think it depends. Does do them dying still trigger the bloodbound bonus, or do they actually have to physically die on the map? I think once they hit the undying state, I think the passive kicks in. Oh, that's something I'll have to test out, and I will test out now. But I'm pretty sure that once the unit hits zero HP, I believe that blood. Oh, if that's the yeah. case, then yeah, it's definitely not bad there either. Yeah, like. And even if that wasn't the case, I could still think of uses for for that, yeah. you know. Sure. So I'll I I can live with that answer. I'm fine with that. So, <laughs> um, anything else that you guys wanted to talk about this? I pretty much agree with this, Charlie. The only thing I like, I said, I I think I still put A as like clear at the bottom tier of everything. Yeah. So no, that's that pretty much wraps it up from uh from where I'm coming from here. <laughs> All right, so I think I think it's time to get out of here. Then We've, that was a really good discussion. I enjoyed that. Tier three yeah, items yeah. next week. Yeah, I can uh, put something together for tier three items. They're a little harder to evaluate in some regards, but there are some clear cut choices. So, yeah, cool. And maybe after that, we can start talking about hero tiers and all that. I I think this discussion is just great because it teaches me, teaches all of us, and it teaches our listeners and. I think that's uh, that's really what I want to do with this podcast. Yeah, and the great thing about this game, especially once they introduce seasonal rotation, it feels like it's always growing. There's always different strategies evolving. There's so many potential combinations of what you can do. So there will always have something to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so it's time to get out of here. So uh, I just want to go over a couple things just really, really quick. Um, if you want to email us, uh, younderlords at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And if you email us, we'd love to answer any questions that you might have on the show. Um, we didn't have any this week. I didn't expect any this week. I don't expect any for like the first 10 shows, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah. please surprise me and email us. And maybe we can have our first answer next week. Um, also, podcast reviews, same thing. Uh, the biggest one is Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever it's called. Um, if you leave a, a review over there, we'll definitely read it on the show. Uh, Five-star reviews go a long way in helping the show get discovered, reach more people, and, uh, yeah, just uh, getting us out there. Uh, that's really worth its weight in gold and everything. So if you want to do that, just head over to your favorite podcast of choice. We're on all of them now. So Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I don't even know if those do reviews. I know Apple Podcasts do. I uh, will definitely read it on the show. Uh, but beyond that, shout outs and how can people get in contact with you, uh, Charlie? Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter. That's the easiest way to contact me, at BalrogFanBP. I've been streaming on and off here, playing uh, Dota Underlords. Uh, you can come check me and do that at twitch.tv slash BalrogFan. And if you'd like to see our D&D game, check out twitch.tv slash DJTyrant, 10 o'clock Eastern, every Thursday. Yeah, watch me play a uh, jerk of a cleric. <laughs> Blimey is something special. <laughs> Willie, how about you? 
you can find me on Twitter at Zexris. I'm pretty easy to find. Twitch, same thing. Um, you can also find me every Friday night over on uh, twitch.tv slash underlords pro casting the Underlord, uh, underlords pro league um we've actually doubled our prize pool um nice. last season it was 175 this season it's going to be a total prize pool of 350 dollars. so i'm excited about that we got some other things uh in in the pipeline um can't reveal them just yet though mm, no spoilers no, no spoilers. spoilers here. You have to tune in to see it. All right. Yeah, sounds that's, good. That's it for me. Uh, as for me, uh, I want to give a shout out to all of our new uh, Twitter followers over on um, at Podcast Yo, which is where our Twitter account is for the show. Um, and everybody that kind of reached out to us in the last week after episode one uh, on, on Twitter and other places. Uh, several of you kind of you know said some things and uh, uh gave us some words of encouragement and things like that and that goes a long way um if you want to follow us uh or follow me on twitter um at eldorian is where you would find me at uh so anyway thanks for joining us for episode two of yo an underlords podcast uh, you can tweet us at podcast yo or email us at yo underlords at gmail.com with comments questions and ideas that you have for the show uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week.